Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, for the last few weeks, we have been looking together at the Lord's Prayer. Prayer uh, is one of the places where God has promised to meet people like us and to share his life with us for our good. And uh, people like us learn how to pray by being around folks who pray. And so uh, looking at the Lord's Prayer together is a way for us to be around Jesus as he prays it and to listen to him as he prays it and to think about what he meant and what he would like for us to pray as we pray with him. We're looking at this prayer that he taught us to foster the habit of prayer in our own lives. And so this morning, we're going to look at the second uh, ask of this prayer, the second thing that Jesus taught us to ask the Father for. Jesus said, when you pray, pray your kingdom come. So we're going to read from Mark 4 together, uh, where Jesus taught us about this kingdom. I'll read Mark 4, uh, verses 21 through 34. It's printed in the order of worship, if you want to follow along as I read. And he said to them, is the lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that all the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. This is God's word, and it's given for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask as we uh, talk about this word that we've just read and heard together, as we think about it for a few minutes, that you would, through it, teach us to pray, your kingdom come. That you would grow in us a sense of what that means and what it means for us to be a part of that, what it means for us to pray for that. And that you would show us how much you love us in Jesus and that you would change us by it. And we pray in the name of that word who is with you now, Christ. Amen. Well, I am uh, I'm a soccer fan. Uh, for long stretches in my life, especially on the front part of my life, 
Uh, that felt like a weird thing to say, like it was something you had to defend. So I am glad that that has changed uh, over time. I like to think of hockey as the weird thing now, um, but to each their own. Anyhow, being a soccer fan, uh, for me at least, has also meant supporting our local side here in town, the Chicago Fire. And for the last you know, decade, that's been really hard. For the last, I mean, for all kinds of reasons. For the last five or six years, it's been hard because uh, it's been tricky to figure out how to watch their games. Every year, it seems like there is a new TV contract or a new streaming contract that you have to find. But now, uh, every, every game from all 29 teams in our do domestic league, every game is being carried on Apple TV. And if you want, you can watch uh, every single minute that every single team plays. It's pretty awesome. It's nice to have that all in one spot. And so I dutifully plunked down my money for the subscription. But I think I must have messed up when I set the app up on my television because when I click on a team or when I go to the home screen on game days, all of the, the recently played games are displayed along with all of the scores of those games. Now, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see the scores of the games that I have not yet seen. I want to watch the game. I want to find out what the score is the old-fashioned way. Now, I am sure uh, that there is a box somewhere on the app or somewhere online that I can click to make the scores go away. I'm sure. I can't be alone and not wanting to see the scores ahead of time. But instead of figuring that out, <laughs> here's what I do. I just put my hand up in front of the part of the screen <laughs> where the scores are. <laughs> and I have learned to like, navigate my way through that app without looking at part of the screen. It's absurd. It's low tech. Um, but it works. I, I just hide the scores. <laughs> and so let me say something that I hope is obvious. I'm not hiding those scores because I don't ever want to see the scores. I very much want to see the scores. I'm hiding the scores to deepen my appreciation of them, to deepen my anticipation of them, my hunger for seeing them, to increase my joy when I see them happen as they happen. And that's the idea that it's, it's really at the very heart of this little string of beautiful and mysterious parables that we just read together, as Jesus put it. Nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Nor is anything secret except to come to light. It's hidden, but not forever. It's here, but it's also not yet here. You can't see it yet but the harvest is definitely coming. And the hidden thing that Jesus is talking about, that concealed thing, that secret hidden thing that he's talking about is the kingdom of God. God has obscured it for the time being. He's put his hand up over it. He's hidden it in weak things and in small things. He's obscured it, not so that we'll never see it, but so that our whole selves will be hungry to see it. Not so that we'll never hear it, but so that we will have the ears that are tuned to hear its sweet sound when it finally plays all around us. He's done this so that we will pray with his son now, your kingdom come. 
So what exactly is Jesus teaching us to pray for when he teaches us to pray for your kingdom come? Well, on the one hand, that's pretty easy to answer. It's not some otherworldly thing. It's, it's not some thing floating around somewhere. The kingdom of God is the gracious and peaceable rule of God right here, right now, in this place. That's what the kingdom of God is. God's kingdom is his rule of grace in Jesus, in which all of the damage that sin has done to the created order and all of the damage that sin has done to us, it's all remade and restored. That's what the kingdom of God is. It's the restoration of people like us in Jesus to the life that we were created for in the first place. It is the restoration of the entire created order through Jesus into the pristine beauty and peace that it was created in in the first place. Church, the kingdom is the very first thing that Jesus talked about when he came on the scene. He talked about it a lot, and you can see, even in Mark's gospel, it's the very first thing he ever talks about. He comes onto the scene, and what does he say? The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe this good news. And later on, some Pharisees come up to Jesus, and they ask, hey, Jesus, when is the kingdom of God going to come? And he tells them they've already missed it. That train has already rolled into the station. Behold, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The kingdom arrived with Jesus, and that's when God started that long, slow work of reconciling everything back to himself in Jesus. The kingdom is secured by the life and death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus, and one day, church, one day, it will be all that any of us know. It will be all that any of us ever see anywhere around us. And that's what we're praying for. When we pray your kingdom come, we are asking God to speed that day here. To speed the day when his gracious rule is everywhere. When, like we heard in the Old Testament lesson, all the ends of the earth see the salvation of God. The Apostle Paul, uh, as we heard in that New Testament lesson, says that we ourselves and the whole created order wait eagerly for that day. And Jesus teaches us not only to wait for that day, but to pray for it too. So on the one hand, the kingdom of God is simple enough to describe. It is the reign of grace in Jesus that will turn everything back to as it should be. The broad outline of it isn't hard to get our minds around, at least the concept of it, we know where things are headed. But there is another part to the kingdom of God. It's the part that we live in right now, the lived-in part. And that is not so easy. Because maybe, maybe we expect rule to look a little different. Maybe we expect it to feel a little different. Maybe we expect it to move a little differently than it does. Like, first of all, you know, if we were in charge, Maybe things wouldn't take so long. You know, the, the slow motion migrant crisis that's playing out in our city right now, and I mean like right now, these minutes, these days, 
Like maybe that would be uh, cared for, not only justly, but quickly. And everyone would love how we worked it out and they would laud us for it if we were in charge. For that matter, if we were in charge, maybe there wouldn't be any migrant crisis anywhere at all in the world if, if we were in charge. Or this addiction, it wouldn't just be hanging around my neck every day like an albatross. It would go away if I was in charge. Or the sickness, the loss that people close to me feel. I mean, those things would stop, right? If I was in charge. And church, this is at least one of the reasons why Jesus tells parables about the kingdom of God. Because it doesn't look anything like we expect it to look. And it doesn't work anything like it would work if we were running things. And this is definitely true for the folks around Jesus when he said these parables who hoped, among other things, that he would just overthrow the Roman occupiers because that's what would make them happiest the quickest. And that's true for us too, if we can be honest enough to admit it. We like happy and we like quick and we also like to be at the center of it all. But church, God's vision for his kingdom and the timetable that he takes to get it to its fullness, the circuitous route, the unexpected route that he is taking to get it there, and for that matter, all of the kinds of people that he wants to be part of it, all of that stuff is better than anything that you and I have ever dreamed up on our best day. That's just the truth. <laughs> but Jesus knows that people like us have thick heads and we have stubborn hearts, and so he teaches about his kingdom in parables, in stories, in proverbs, and cryptic sayings, and one-liners. He hides it so that we'll have to pay attention to it. Where is it? <laughs> Where is that thing? He makes it quiet so that we'll have to strain to hear it. Did you hear that noise? Where is that coming from? That's what Jesus means when he says nothing is secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, Jesus says, then let them hear. And that is an alluring invitation. Pay attention, Jesus says. Pay attention to what you hear. Because with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. To the one who has, more will be given. It's like Jesus is saying, listen up. <laughs> the more you get it, the more you get it. It's like he's saying that his words, his kingdom, they're like this deep, clear lake, this cool, just unfathomably large lake. And the life and the forgiveness and the understanding you can get from that place, it's inexhaustible. The wisdom that you can get from that, the wisdom to live as someone who is part of this kingdom, it, it will never, ever end. It will never stop coming. It's endless. And the thirstier you are for these things, the more you'll get. And it'll never stop coming. If you want to keep drinking forever, you can. That deep, clear lake is always there, and it will never have a problem outpacing your thirst. Drink away. Drink away. 
And do you want to know where you can drink? Do you want to know where you can hear? In the place where he usually talks. <laughs> in the only place in the world where he gives us food and drink. In scripture, in worship, in prayer, in the sacraments. There is no complicated secret knowledge to figure out. It's just where he usually talks. And it's just where he usually gives us something to eat and drink. And the more you get it, the more you get it. So Jesus, uh, next he tells a couple more parables. They get at this hiddenness from other angles. First, in verse 26, Jesus says, The kingdom of God is this is as if a man scatters seed on the ground. And then Jesus goes on to describe what happens after that fact. Uh, in fact, he goes on to describe the only thing that's ever happened anytime any farmer has ever sown a seed anywhere. He goes to sleep and he gets up the next day. <laughs> and then he goes to sleep the next day and gets up the next day and so on and so forth. I mean, no doubt the farmer does important stuff every day, but that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that the seed sprouts and then it grows and the earth produces by itself first the blade and then the ear and then the full grain in the ear Jesus says you know what else he says he says the farmer doesn't know how this happens he does not know he does not know how it happens he doesn't know he just knows when it's over because then it's harvest time And you know, church, it's pretty common um, for preachers to say when they're talking about praying your kingdom come, to say that if you pray that prayer, you should also become busy for what you're praying, right? You should put feet to your prayers or whatever. You should, you should, you should work for those things that you long for and pray for, be the change that you want to see and all that. Preachers say that a lot. I've said that. <laughs> I say that pretty much every time I talk about the Lord's Prayer. And it's, it's true. <laughs> we should definitely grow in our love of God and our love of neighbor. We should take on virtues. We should put off vices. We should live in love and in service to each other and to everyone else. We should definitely do that. But living faithfully as a follower of Jesus, which again, I am absolutely saying we should do. <laughs> Living faithfully as a follower of Jesus is a very different thing than somehow imagining that we are the ones responsible for planning, building, and executing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And high control, competent, savvy, capable, smart people don't like to hear that, but Jesus was as clear as he could be. We do not know how. We do not know. We have no idea. And as soon as people like us start to operate under that kind of mistaken, uh, delusional, really, <laughs> assumption that it's our effort that makes things new, and that it's our effort that, that's going to heal all the damage that sin has caused to the created order. If we get under that delusional assumption that all of this good that we hope and pray for will happen because of the kingdom of us, 
or the kingdom of me, then we end up floating towards two very painful extremes. On the one hand, we will be angry, controlling crusaders. We will be furious, manipulative, pretend messiahs. And the church is full of them. This world is full of them. And on the other hand, we will be filled with despair and sadness because we cannot get this job done. And the church is full of them. And so is this whole world. So Jesus wants us to know we can go to sleep tonight and get some rest. And we can get up the next morning and do what we do and then go to sleep and get some rest again. It will probably be better for us and everyone around us if we do. Because he is going to pull this off. He will make the harvest come. It's absolutely true. It is growing now silently. It is growing, of course, sometimes in hidden ways, in ways that we possibly could never fathom. But it is growing, and he will pull it off. And part of growing up in our faith and part of learning how to pray your kingdom come is believing that that's true when he says it and learning to trust in him and rest in him when he says it. He knows. <laughs> he knows there's a bunch of people that need to hear that today, starting with the preacher. So if we have ears to hear, let's hear. So then he tells this other parable about a mustard seed. What, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, Jesus says, or with what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed sown into the ground. Jesus, of course, is speaking proverbially here. This is the smallest seed that any of his hearers would have been familiar with, yet Jesus says when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all of the garden plants <laughs> and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can take rest in its shade. You know, the Old Testament is full of images like this, grass, vines, trees. They stand in for all kinds of things. There are even two very well-known places in the Old Testament where great kingdoms are described as cedar trees, the cedars of Lebanon. They tower up into the clouds. They reach into heaven. The cedars are so tall, so stately, so firm that they can be seen from the ends of the earth. But you know what a mustard tree is? It's a shrub. The best of them grow to maybe 10 feet, if they're lucky. It's a scrappy little shrub. It might be the biggest thing in the garden, but it's a shrub. And it's nothing compared to a cedar. So why? Why would Jesus say that? Why would Jesus say the kingdom of God is like this scrappy shrub? Why would he take pains to compare the gracious and peaceable reign of the Father to a little seed that grows into a shrub. I mean, wouldn't you look past a thousand shrubs filled with little birds to gaze on a stately cedar that reaches to the heavens? It just sounds like a strange, unexpected kind of kingdom. Sounds like the kind of kingdom you'd have to be like a child to get into. Sounds like a kingdom that might be populated with the mourners and the meek 
and the weak and the hungry and the thirsty and the persecuted. Sounds like a kingdom where tax collectors and and prostitutes get the best seats at the table. It sounds like a kingdom where foolish sons who have wasted every good thing they've ever had get the party of their lives. Sounds like a kingdom ruled by a king who said, well, if you want to follow me, you got to take up your cross. It sounds like a kingdom ruled by a king who did that. so that we could be forgiven and fit to be called as sisters and brothers, so that we could actually get into that place. In other words, it sounds like the best kingdom we have ever heard of, because it is precisely like no other kingdom we have ever heard of. And I wouldn't have been looking for it. I wouldn't have had my eyes peeled for it, unless Jesus told me that I should. Keep your eyes peeled for this scrappy little shrub. And when you and I pray your kingdom come, like Jesus taught us to, we are taking up this incredible privilege. When we pray your kingdom come, we are standing in the pain and in the brokenness of the world, facing a father who loves this place and who loves the people in it more than we ever could. We're standing there between the pain of the world and this father who loves it. And with the courage that he's given us in the first place, we are praying and asking him to keep his promise to make it all new again. Reconcile all things to yourself, God, just like you said you would. Make peace by the blood of Jesus' cross in this whole world, just like you said you would. And when we pray it, we submit to him, we ask him to grow his kingdom by whatever unlikely subtractions and additions he'd like by taking whatever circuitous and winding route and long route that it pleases him to get there, and by saying, look, if we can play a part, we hope you'll be happy to let us. When you pray, Jesus taught us, say, your kingdom come. (laughs) Let me pray for us. Your kingdom come, Father, not ours. Father, help us to listen to your son when he speaks of hidden, strange, long-growing, slow-growing kingdoms. Help us to listen to him and to trust that it will come, the harvest will come, and to rest in it and to live in it. Father, we ask that you would do this so that we can grow up and mature in our faith and so that we might be a people through whom you can love this broken world. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.